This week in Greater Boston, seriously, what's the fucking deal with the guinea pigs? Part two. Now, where was I? You were describing how you're an exemplary father to the son you never see and the nephew you've entangled in a web of crime. Ah, yes. I was explaining how my father's ineptitude destroyed our family. Norbert was always more forgiving than I. He insisted that our father couldn't help who he was. How gullible and impulsive. It might not have been so damaging if he had only stuck to exploitative sales outfits. At least that was actual work, for which he could occasionally earn a real paycheck. But our father was something of a schemer, you see. In the sense that he routinely pursued harebrained get-rich-quick schemes. Every investment pyramid scheme or sure-bet gambling tip or hot.com penny stock captured his interest. He bought stock in eToys, pets.com, philosopherhotline.com, all those brief beacons of the early internet. He failed to see the coming bust. Even as their value fell... He remained steadfast, certain that they would weather the storm, rebound and come back, bigger than ever. And speaking of weather, there was his investment in Enron and its weather trading platform, whatever the blazes that was supposed to mean. And then came the final act, his Hail Mary, as it were. That breeding equipment in your old hideout. He decided to invest in a perennial commodity. Something that has no boom and bust, but steady incremental growth. Live stock. He found an opportunity to purchase two dozen breeding-age pigs. He boasted of the suspiciously low price he negotiated, a number that exactly matched the last of his liquid assets. His boasting ended when the creatures arrived at our home. The pigs were, in fact, guinea pigs. I can't even claim that my father was swindled. The paperwork clearly named the animals as guinea pigs. How was I supposed to know that guinea pigs aren't actually pigs? What? Where did he come from? Oh, I see. A flashback. You should have asked. Well, I know that now. What would you have even done with two dozen actual pigs? There's the spare bedroom. Do you even know how big pigs are? Uh, they wouldn't have fit in the spare bedroom. Uh, they wouldn't have fit in the house. Well, then it's a lucky thing we got these little guys, isn't it? Trust me, this is going to work out. <laughs> Look how cute these things are. We'll sell a million of them. We'll get you and your brother set up right, like you deserve, like I've always wanted. You won't have to worry anymore. None of us will. We'll all be taken care of. As promised, the guinea pigs were all of breeding age, and quite fruitfully so. Two dozen became ten dozen in a matter of weeks, and multiplied exponentially from there. We three found ourselves living amidst an undulating carpet through which we carefully shuffled. And oh, the noise that pervaded every waking moment of our lives. 
guinea pigs are not loud creatures. Individually. En masse, however, they produce a constant squeal, a perpetual background refrain of disconsolate rodents. The unremitting refrain of my father's failure. Oh, that's it. That's the sound. The one I always hear in your head. Hmm. Father tried to make the best of it, pitching his stock to every pet store in a hundred-mile radius. He placed ads. Guinea pigs for sale in every local newspaper. He sold some, a few dozen... Not enough to recoup even the cost of feeding the little beasts who ate through hundreds of pounds of food pellets each week before moving on to the furniture, the walls, anything they could reach. Norbert and I moved out. We had nowhere to go, but we spent considerable time in libraries, museums, galleries, any place that wouldn't question two relatively quiet and studious boys who kept to themselves. They need not know that we were voluntarily homeless. Two months passed before we conceded that we ought to inquire into our father's welfare. He wasn't at the house. What we found was an envelope nailed to the door with our names on it. Dear Clive and Lewis. Our names were not yet Oliver and Norbert at the time. I gathered that. I am so very sorry for what our lives have become. I always hoped I would be a good provider for you both. I tried my best, but no matter how I try to make your lives better, I only leave you worse off. All I can ever do is fail you. I know the best thing I can do to take care of you is to save you from taking care of me. So I'm just going to go. The house is yours. Do what you want with it. I won't be back. He kept his word on that. Inside the house, we found the guinea pigs still there. But Father had been gone for weeks, and no one remained to care for them, to feed them. Oh! I won't describe the scene. Oh, God. I'm not that sort of storyteller. Please, stop thinking about that. I can see your thoughts. I will say only that it was unpleasant, and allow that to suffice. We saw no point in trying to salvage the house. Instead, Norbert found a floor lamp whose cord had been chewed down to the exposed wiring by the guinea pigs. He turned it on, and we walked away to await the cleansing fire. Later, we forged our father's signature on the insurance forms and collected the payout, thus beginning our criminal exploits. We hope you're enjoying Greater Boston as much as we enjoy making it. With the new year coming, we hope you will consider helping us to keep making Greater Boston by contributing to our Patreon, if you're able. 
These funds help us to pay our amazing actors and musicians, to upgrade our equipment, and to keep the show sustainable. Even as little as $1 a month is a tremendous help. And in exchange, you can get great rewards, like early access to every episode, Discord voice chats with the creators, and even a monthly tour of one of the stops in Redline. And if you can't donate, you can still help us out by telling a friend about Greater Boston. Greater Boston is written and produced by Alexander Danner and Jeff Andreessen, with recording and technical assistance from Mark Harmon. This episode featured Mike Linden as Oliver West, Braden Lamb as Leon Stamatis, and guest starring Brad C. Wilcox as Mr. West. You can hear more of Brad's wonderful voice work on What's the Frequency, the surreal noir audio drama written by our own James Oliva and designed by Alexander. Drums by Jim Johansson. In the sense that he routinely pursued hair-brained... But you must understand that at this moment, I have stopped reading the words that are on the page and made up my own. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Contact Day is in but a few short months, which means it is time to begin preparations for the bi-decennial festival. This year, we are celebrating every one of you living in my beloved Windfall City. It is not our business to question the Queen's will. It is not our business to do anything but follow it. It is you and your loyalty that has laid the groundwork for this incredible utopian society that we seek for. Do you have any idea what's going on with us? It is the duty of each and every one of you to do everything you can to make the festival a success this year. Are you ready? To speak kindly with me now, child. I have no doubt that this year will be one for the history books. And that will be due in no small part to the dedication of my adoring <laughs> Windfall, a dystopian science fiction podcast from Rogue Dialogue.